entrepreneurs, we are inventors and understanding intellectual property, including trademarks and copyright rules and how to protect our intellectual property is key and vital to our success and the, the success of our business. So how do you do this and how do you protect your IP when you are in business and when you are inventing all these things in your company? Today in the Waste Up Wardrobe Studio, I am interviewing an attorney, a trademark attorney per, to, per se, that is going to tell us all the do's and don'ts about how to protect your intellectual property, including trademarking and um, copywriting as well. But you know the drill. You have to stick around to know more. Welcome to Waste Up Wardrobe. I'm Christine Vartanian, an attorney turned personal style expert and image consultant. As the founder of Jade House of Style, I am passionate about unveiling the inner confidence of my clients by developing their personal style and dressing them for success. But is getting dressed up still important in our virtual world? Well, that's where my experience can help with what I call Waste Up Wardrobe. Waste Up Wardrobe is a podcast for all things you need to conduct an outstanding Zoom meeting. It's about how to dress for the camera, but it's not just about the clothes. It's about everything you need to know to show up on brand and professionally for the camera. Join me in the Waste Up Wardrobe studio to discuss how to navigate this virtual world and dominate from behind the desk. Good morning, Waste Up Wardrobe Nation. Thank you for joining us for an episode of Waste Up Wardrobe. This is episode 139, and I am really looking forward to bringing you today's episode because it's an episode that really can be very critical to so many business owners because as business owners, we invent things in our businesses, we create things, and we want to be able to to protect those ideas. So we're going to be talking about trademarks today. And we're going to be talking with a, a, a guest who's highly specialized in this area. She's a trademark attorney, and she will be giving us all the do's and don'ts and maybe answering some other questions um, that are burning questions for us. So before I get started, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here for another episode of Waste Up Wardrobe. And you know it, we have a full library of uh, content where we bring you an episode every week on a weekly basis live to show you how to up-level your virtual presence, how you show up on camera, not only in the way you show up physically with your appearance and your lighting and your technology, but also with your mindset. And the show has a lot of entrepreneurial nuances like today's show where we're going to be talking about trademarking when it comes to your business. But also know that we are on iTunes. So you can listen to us while you take that walk or that hike or that run or just that relaxing walk on the beach. We are um, on iTunes. You can rate us and review us and you can catch whatever show you want on there because they're all there. So, and I also want to say thank you to my super awesome producer, Rick Moscoso, who is... Without, the, without him, the show would not be able to, um, to to be produced. And especially like days today, today, you notice that we, you may have noticed that we started late because we had technical difficulties because that's technology. Technology happens and uh, we just have to troubleshoot. So without Rick, uh, I don't know how far we can get. So thank you, Rick, for, for being the master behind the technology and behind the scenes. And I just want to take a moment to introduce our very special guest today. Uh, our guest, Cheryl Hodg Hodgson, is a leading trademark and entertainment attorney representing online business, global brand owners, music artists, authors, publishers, and technology companies in business strategy. 
She she uh, works with IP protection and licensing as well. Hodgson Legal Services assists clients globally in IP and brand protection, and Cheryl has extensive experience as a litigator and mediator of trademarks and copyright disputes in U.S. courts. She is the founder and publisher of Brand Aid, host of the Brands Revolution podcast, and author of the best-selling book, Registered Trademark, The Business Owner's Essential Guide to Brand protection. So please help me welcome Cheryl to the show. And I am really looking forward to having this conversation with her as um, we talk about and really explore branding and all its nuances and all the do's and don'ts. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? Hi, Christine. We had a little bit of a technical mishap this morning, right? Yeah, that's we're the way here. it goes. It's, we're here. I'm happy to say we're here. <laughs> we're here, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really excited about you know, digging into a lot of your expertise. Uh, as you know, many of the viewers uh, of We Supportive are business owners and entrepreneurs, and this, we, you and I have had conversations around trademark and copyright a lot, and uh, I know how much attention you give your client to securing and protecting their intellectual property. So I was just thinking this is like a perfect, I, you'd be perfect candidate to kind of talk to and pick your brain so that we can learn more about um, this area of the law as it relates to entrepreneurship. So what do you say? You ready to answer my questions? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get started, I always like to do a little 60 seconds to get to know you. These are not technical questions. These are this or that questions. So we just kind of want to know who you are. How about that? Oh, sounds great. Okay. So just tell me the answer that comes to mind. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Why? I have one right here. <laughs> well, what, you, what is your dog's name? Her name is Minnie. This okay. is Minnie. And Minnie, how did Minnie, how did Minnie find you? Uh, Minnie found me because her former owner asked me to take care of her for two months in January of 2020 and never came back to get her. <laughs> I actually kind of knew that story and as you're talking about me, I'm like, oh, that was, I just remember uh, hearing that story and I thought, ah, that is wonderful. And how long has Minnie been with you now? She's been with me since uh, January of 2020, three and a half years. And she actually is used to being on camera because her former owner was, uh, did marketing all day live online. I see. I see nothing like a, a, a dog to really make, um, to make the your video presence uh, more fun. I have a lot of clients that love to have their pets <laughs> in the camera when they're working. So I get it. Well, um, sometimes I'd rather have her not in the camera, but she's very demanding. <laughs> no problem. I, I We love having her. So I have another question for you. When it comes to the way you dress, do you think about your image as more style or more fashion? Like which one do you just like, do you relate oh. to which word? Well, I like to think I combine both, but I am—I do love fashion. Yeah, yeah. you like the new trends and the current and just being uh, not as much. Not as much. I think when I was more youth, young, I younger, I probably paid a lot more attention to uh, trends. Although, just this last season, I've been very thrilled with some of the trends of colors because uh -huh. you know how colors come and go. Yeah, uh, and my colors are bright like fuchsias and reds. So there was a lot of fuchsia 
And I even got the courage to wear a little Kelly green. <laughs> oh, I, I could see you totally rocking that red. I think is a great color for you. I've seen you red a lot. And I think, um, I think, I, I think it's really cool. You have a very cool sense of style. I know that's something we always talk about when I see you. Um, so one final question to, to get to know you, what is, um, tell us one of your favorite hobbies. Uh, well, I've, I've been studying yoga for 25 years, so that's one of my really big commitments to myself. But I would say if I had could make more time, one of my real hobbies that I love is scuba diving. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so I've been on several uh, liveaboard boat trips, and I, I'm hoping to go on another one this September to Fiji. I haven't been in a, quite a while, so... That's great. That sounds like a great hobby. And so you, 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 you know how to scuba dive and that's a thing for you. Yes. I love it. I I started it years and years ago. And then I had a long gap in between in my youth because, you know, it's, it's not something you run next door to do, right? You know, it's not like going to the gym. It's, it's a commitment. And uh, so, um, you know, and I, so, but I took, I decided about a decade ago, it really meant a lot to me after I kind of got rekindled a love affair with it. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's so spectacular to actually be under the water and see the fact that I'd something like 85% of the world is underwater yeah. of the planet. And there's so much we have, we don't ever see. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, it's like a hidden secret, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It is, it's, it's spectacular. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I love hearing about my guest's personal interests because I think it just kind of makes you more than just the expert in the field that we're going to dive into. But it's really cool to get to know the people behind, you know, the business that you're here to talk to us about. So now let's get to business because I'm really curious about a lot of the work that you do. I've heard you talk a lot about trademarks and um, how you uh, guide your clients. And I feel as though when I talk to you about that, like I feel like you have this certain special something that when you um, are working with a client, you really are very invested um, in the in, in protecting their their trademark and protecting their intellectual property. And so I want to dig deep into that. But I really kind of want to set the stage for the for the audience, what is intellectual property just as a foundation? Like, cause people get confused, you know, there's trademarks, there's copyrights, there's all sorts of things. There's brands, there's logo, like tell us, uh, kind of in a nutshell, if you can, what <laughs> intellectual property really means. Yeah. Well, I would say the, probably the best analogy is to say there's tangible property, which is all the things you can touch, right. Real, you know, whether it's your car, your house, you know, your iPhone, whatever it might be, anything that's a, a physical product. Intellectual property is something you can't touch. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's comes from, I'd say, the mind. It's creativity. It's different types of creativity. Um, but that's basically it. And it, it's very similar to personal property. It's just the ways in which you protect it are a bit different. And there's a lot of different types of intellectual property, too. Yeah. Well, can you give us like an example of one or two types? Yeah. Well, the most traditional ones that people are most used to hearing and where where people get confused because no one ever tells them. It's not because it's just, you know, it's not something people walk around talking about every day is patents, trademarks and copyrights. And they're three separate and distinct things. A patent is an invention and it's usually it can be 
a chemical patent, a mechanical patent. You being a, an engineer yourself, you would appreciate that aspect of it. And patent attorneys are all engineers. Um, and biotech and electronic patents are probably the most widely used and defended and prosecuted in today's world because we have so much technology. And then there's trademarks, which protect the names of products and services that you market, carve out a niche in the marketplace so that you, um, that's really intended to protect the public. That's the reason for trademarks. So yeah. that, you know, you're not walking around seeing 10 different versions of McDonald's or any other brand for that matter. And then copyrights protect uh, your creative expression. So anything that is either written, spoken, visual, so it would include artwork, graphic design, uh, even software, believe it or not, the code to computer software is protected by copyright. Um, so, yeah, and then poetry, music, yeah. artwork. Yeah, and you deal a lot with um, people in the musical uh, industry, the musical artists. So you probably, um, because I know from my conversations with you, you have done a lot of that. Uh, yeah, that's where I started out just because I was so interested in it when I was young. And now there's a lot of overlap, you yeah. know, it's not, it, it and I'm, actually I kind of look back and I think about, you know, the different type industries, particularly say, for example, it, in any industry, Industries grow have grown up around the different types of intellectual property. Yeah. Um, in other words, the music industry has its own set of not so much laws, even though there is specific rights under copyright law. But within that, there's all these sort of ways of licensing and customs and practices that have grown up within that industry. Same within the film industry. Yeah, you know, that's audiovisual work. You could say the same thing about the art world, right? right. Um, uh, That's interesting because I my next question kind of revolves. This is an industry I would imagine that changes. This is this this area of the law that changes a lot in terms of um, legal standards, especially now with the innovation of AI NFTs. Have you what? How have you seen those things that are sort of still kind of the wild wild west? impact um, your area of the law? Is well, that? I can say for sure the internet was the biggest change in trademarks and it's still being felt because uh, there's a, always a lag time between the law and how it catches up, but also the public understanding as well. I, it's not just the law itself uh, because, it, for example, we haven't even gotten started in AI yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it's so new. And I think that's the next frontier for sure. Mm -hmm. But I still see it with um, and it's a big issue, I think, with uh, entrepreneurs who are starting out in business because, uh, you know, for example, what's the difference between a domain name and a trademark or do I need a trademark? And a lot of that just comes from the fact that when I years ago, and to go to your point, there was no internet, there were no domains, you know, so a trademark was literally packaging on a box of cereal. Uh, that's my uh, one example I like to use. Yeah. And it didn't go anywhere. And the internet changed that completely. Yeah. Yeah. And now it also goes global, it can go global, you know, especially if you're successful. So um, yes, it, it's changed a lot. Yeah. 
And um, so that's kind of the interesting thing when it comes to protecting ideas and inventions and thoughts and, you know, this kind of thing that um, entrepreneurs are constantly inventing and, 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 and creating. Um, you know, you spoke a little bit about the purpose of IP. You said um, that it's it's designed to protect the public, but what else is it designed to do? What else is the purpose of IP? Well, I you know, it depends on the areas. And by the way, I there's another aspect of, of IP too, one aspect that I think is really important for entrepreneurs to grasp. It's actually your most valuable asset. So it's not just about not getting sued. It, it's not just a defense thing to protect yourself from being sued. It's also a proactive way of building business value. If you think about, just look for example, there's not a day that goes by that you don't look in the business trades or even on regular trades and hear about another lawsuit of Apple being sued or Apple suing so-and-so over infringement of its patents or infringement of copyrights by, you know, artists or whatever, because it's, um, those are assets they've built up that they own. And, you know, when, what I realize is now when people go to sell a business or bring in an investor, the most important part is what are your assets? And those assets aren't usually, unless you're involved in real estate, the assets investors or buyers are interested in is not anything other than your intellectual property. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it's a form of risk management. It's like mitigation of risk. So, you know, any company, all you have to do is look at anybody that's a successful company and they're usually very committed to protecting and building their intellectual property for that reason. Yeah. No, that, and, and, and also intellectual property makes you stand out from competition because, you know, so, so it's important to protect that in, in a sense. No. Well, yeah. and that's fantastic observation, I think, because that's really what um, sometimes when I'm counseling clients, especially startups in trademarks, um, and that's where it shows up a lot is people tend to want, especially new entrepreneurs, they want to describe what they do. And so they pick a name or that is either based on like a kind of a descriptive domain name or describes their product or service. And that's the opposite of standing out from the crowd. Mm -hmm. When you start describing what you're selling or marketing in your trademark or in your intellectual property as the title of your intellectual property, you're by definition have very limited protection and you're definitely not going to stand out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I just heard recently that Apple's finally going to start requiring uh, trademarks for new apps in the app store. And I thought, well, that's about overdue because I don't know about you, but I've gone in the Apple app store the last, and they all have the same name, (laughs) you know? And it's like, I just use that as an example of how do you stand out, right? Right. Well, that's a very interesting point you make because um, personally, because of my business, I've had conversations with my trademark attorney and I've done multiple things in my business. As you know, you know, got the big audacious earrings box. We've got waste up wardrobe. There's all these things. There's also an element that I added called three socks in a box. It's more of a men's subscription program where they get three socks in a box. And talking to my trademark attorney, she explained to me, you can't really trademark that because it's, it, it describes what's in it. Correct. Can you explain that a little bit more? 
Uh, that's exactly it. There's this provision in the trademark law that says, um, first of all, a trademark by definition has to be distinctive, meaning it's not descriptive or generic. Yeah. And there is a section of the trademark statute that says you can't protect an item or product or service which describes the quality, characteristics, or ingredients. So that's a little technical, but it's actually three words that are very broad, right? Yeah. So in other yeah. words, it encompasses a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, you can, in your that example, you might not be able to protect the words, but what I've learned over time, you can get it on the uh, main registry by putting it with a logo ah. and registering that. It does. You'll have to disclaim the words and not be able to claim them for at least five years. But after five years, you can move on to the principal register. And there is, if it's a name you're someone's really committed to, it's not my favorite way of going after it, but it. Um, it can give a deterrent effect. Let's put it that way, mm. because just by having a registration on the principal, what they call the principal register that has a logo plus the words that can be a somewhat of a deterrent to other people who are thinking of choosing the same name. Now, if you, yeah. it's very difficult to enforce those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. The whole area of law is so interesting because you, you are always working with creatives, right? Because that's the nature of what you're protecting. You're prote protecting the creative work products, impressions, mental creations of your clients. So it's such a creative industry. So I'm curious in your experience, what has been something that, that a client has come to you with that, that felt like really like a wow thing, like really creative, really interesting. If you can talk about it, I don't know, or like give us oh. a, hint, a hint about it. Wow. That's a great question. I think about it. <laughs> um, certainly in music on a talent side, <clears throat> in my earlier years, I spent a lot of time as an, in artist management, music publishing. So that was not really forward facing trademarks and that sort of thing, but it was uh, from just from a creative perspective, it was phenomenal to be around yeah. some of those, that kind of talent. Um, but from a trademark perspective, I have a client, a woman who's actually, uh, she, she's a singer, musician, very, very talented. And she kind of dropped out of the pop scene years ago, but she's always been into uh, what we call yoga chant music or sacred music. And she has a band, she's in Long Beach, and she just came up with some of the best trademarks I've ever heard in my life. And I asked her where they came from. And she said, I don't know. I just woke up and downloaded them one day. There was like four or five of them. And, you know, we filed for all of them and we'll, I'm sure they're going to go through because they're all so unique, but, uh, and I think the lesson there with that and choosing a name, that's one of the biggest things I try to counsel people on is uh, when they come to me with a name, unless they're especially now I'm just going to ed editorialize a second here your example of the three socks in a box I think that's actually very creative okay mm -hmm. and I'm not sure because if you think about it and to some extent it's an oxymoron yeah do you know what I mean how yeah. how often do you hear somebody say socks in a box it's got right. a great ring to it right rhyme uh, right right, right. Yeah. yeah so so I, I think there's potential with that. It, you have to work with it a little bit. But what I'm saying is, trying to say is, <clears throat> you know, sometimes 
people, you can make a slight change to something that would otherwise be descriptive and turn it into something that is unique. So you just have to like sit with it and take enough time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might have to sit down and brainstorm with you on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I think it's great. (laughs) So I, um, I want to know, like, you know, a lot of businesses, they, they, they say, do I need a trademark? Do I need to trademark this? Is it just enough that I'm using it in the industry? What would be your response to that? Uh, I would say if you're building a business that you want to grow and have for the long term, and you would like to be known and carve out uh, a, what I call your uh your sandbox to play in or your safe space, you really do need a trademark because there's nothing worse than starting. And I've had this happen a number of times where people start out, they don't get a trademark. And then, you know, somewhere down the road, they think, Oh, well maybe I should try to get a trademark and somebody else has already got the name because they didn't carve out the niche. I mean, I really think of a trademark as carving out a space within your market area. In yeah. other words, whatever niche you're in, whether you're in clothing, uh, you know, your fashion brand, or let's say you're a, a technology company, it doesn't matter. Whatever niche you're in or category marketplace you're in, you're just trying to create a place within to which you can operate safely. Now, if you're, on the other hand, the people who don't need trademarks are or local businesses like a florist. A dentist probably doesn't need one because a dentist usually markets within a very small area around where they're, they're located. Um, and they're not going to be marketing or attracting clients or customers from across the United States or in a, even in another town often. Yeah. So those types of businesses. Now, there's exceptions. There's a lot of small boutiques now. Here's a great thing. You're talking about change. Just think about this. Um uh, Amazon now has required for almost a decade now, they have something called the Amazon brand registry for the little small entrepreneurial companies that sell on the Amazon marketplace. Mm-hmm. And in order to be one of the trusted merchants in the Amazon brand registry, they require a trademark. And those were by and large little small local businesses who went into a big marketplace, right? So that changes In that case, they probably do need a trademark. In fact, there's been hundreds of thousands of those companies, and they had such a problem finding trademark attorneys. Amazon has its own referral network for trademark attorneys now uh, for just those businesses. Interesting. Are you one of them, or is that something that trademark attorneys want to be part of? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. But uh, for example, I think the other great company along those lines is uh, is Shopify. Yeah. Uh, Shopify is, you know, that one's even more brand centric, I think, than uh, something like Amazon, because a lot of the Amazon brands are like not. It, it, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, you know, they're not necessarily distinctive company names or brands, whereas with uh, Shopify, a lot of those are small boutiques, whether it's in clothing or food or all kinds of products. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. well, you know, um, <clears throat> I think it's um, really something important for, for, for companies to think about. I feel like when I decided to 
uh, trademark waste up wardrobe. It was exciting. It was like a new level in my business. It was, uh, it felt, I felt official. I felt like a grown up business. And <laughs> I feel like, you know, it, it just makes things official and it solidifies and protects you as an entrepreneur and your ideas. But it does have a lot of purposes, like you mentioned earlier, to, to trademark. Um, you know, some people or some business owners will say, well, I have the domain name. Do I still need a trademark? And what do you say to that? I say that um, I think it's one of the biggest problems in my entire business. And I think it's one of the largest problems in the especially online world because there's a mis a lot of misconception about it. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that it comes and I've just come to this conclusion after years of seeing it. Uh, that it comes from sort of the way the domain craze started early on in the internet world, which was there was a lot of people saying, all you need is a descriptive domain name because it's good for search engine optimization. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? Hotels.com uh, spent probably several million dollars trying to protect the name hotels.com. Guess what? They lost because it is a generic descriptive domain, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a descriptive domain name is a great thing for a marketing campaign, for a specific opt-in, but not, in my opinion, for building your whole business around it. Yeah. And uh, without getting too technical, de detailed, I can tell you that I've been saying this for a number of years, and I'm now starting to see it in my practice. I have uh, several cases right now, two of which are at the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, which is the administrative board, where it's people with descriptive domain names that are basically having an argument with each other. Yeah. And neither one of them chose a name that was distinctive. So it um, and and just to go back to that a minute. I, I, I'll back because it's a form. When I say um, the domain, there's nothing. By the way, if you have a distinctive trademark in the domain, in other words, like waste up wardrobe. I don't know if you have that, but if you had wasteupwardrobe.com and you have the trademark, that's great to have both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But a domain is not a substitute for a trademark because this is yeah. the thing to remember about a domain. A domain is the same as your street address. If you live at 123 Main Street without a trademark, it doesn't matter what you're selling, and it also it doesn't matter whether it's descriptive or distinctive, without more, all you have is an address of where you live on the internet. That's all it is. Yeah. And well, it doesn't become more without a trademark. Yeah, and that, uh, and that makes a lot of sense. Now, so it's important to, to the trademark is important. That's the kind of the umbrella that protects all your pieces. But the domain is a dish. It's like kind of a subset of your entire brand. It's a, it's great to have that. But the trademark is the kind of trump uh, trumping thing that you really have to pursue to for protection. Is that right? Absolutely. Because the difference is it goes back to us talking about creating your sandbox. Uh, once you have a, a trademark is for selling specific products and services. Okay. So in other words, it creates like a zone of protection around you within which you can market 
and know that if uh, number one, a later entrance, meaning a newer a person who comes along in three years or five years, hopefully will be rejected as a result of your existing trademark. Yeah. Right. If, if you don't have a trademark, they're not going to really know you're out there. Right. So that's it's kind of like I always also. Uh, I think the best analogy is like recording the deed to your house. Do you know, it's like yeah. if you walk to if you own your home and you come home tonight and somebody pitched a tent in your front yard. You'd be able to call the cops and say, you've got a squatter in my front yard. Yeah, they they kick them out. Right. Yeah. You don't have to go to court to prove that you own the property. You have a deed recorded at the county registrar's office that says, I'm the owner of this property. Yeah. Or you have a lease if you're the tenant, right? But a trademark in that level is no different, right? Yeah. It's like, put it's what you said. It's like it made you feel like you're a grown-up business. The term I use for it is it legitimizes your brand. Yeah. It makes it legal. And yeah. it's noted, it's constructive notice to the world. And as a lawyer, you know what that form means. A constructive notice just means is I don't have you don't actually have to know I have a trademark. You're charged with looking me up at the trademark office and find out it's already registered by somebody else. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the benefit, I think. Yeah. No, I think that's a great analogy that you give us on street address, the home and the squatters. Like that's kind it's a really great way to wrap your mind about around why it's important to really make it official and, and, and get your trademark, um, uh, to your product or invention. So what, okay. Is there an easy way for you to give us just sort of a abridged, um, process to getting a trademark? Like what would be that process that somebody has to go through? Well, um, it's gotten more and more important. I will be honest, for years, if people were already using a trademark, I didn't say do a search. Just go ahead and file because you could wait. If you were willing to take the risk and wait five or six months for the trademark office to look at it, mm -hmm. they'd probably come up with most things. But now you really, it's not a good idea to launch a business or even think about choosing a name if you don't do the search first. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Why? Because number one, the trademark office is now taking 10 months to one year to look at an application. So if you file tomorrow, they won't look at it until probably next June. What's the whole day? There are so well, a trademark is becoming ubiquitous in our society. And that's the other part of the conversation. Going back to what we just talked about yeah. is almost every other day. I mentioned Apple. I mentioned Amazon. Um, if you want to protect your Twitter handle, if you want to protect or enforce somebody takes your Facebook pay handle. If you don't have a trademark, nobody's going to talk to you. Mm. And um, now Apple's, as I said, was talking about requiring it in the app store for new uh, iOS apps. So when I say it's becoming ubiquitous, it's the it's the gold standard for default at, to enforce your rights. So if you go to any of those platforms or you have a problem, even with a domain name, by the way, uh, that's the other part of it. I don't, we didn't talk about that, but uh, one of the most common things that happens every day is uh, is domain squatters. And uh, if you're if you're not successful, don't worry about it. If you're successful, it will happen. Yeah. Uh, where companies make up 
they'll do variations of domain spellings and divert traffic from you. And, you know, there's a way to shut those down if you have a federal trademark. So all of it goes down. So that's, I think that's the biggest issue. And we also now have international treaties that uh, make it very, very easy for foreign applicants to file into the U.S. based on their foreign registrations. So the volume of filings is just astronomical. Yeah. And they just can't keep up with it. Yeah. So there's a lot of people uh, understanding that this is important. And there's a lot of inventors wanting to kind of protect their, their work and their ideas. Well, and I, you know, I, I hear stuff every day. I heard one about two or three weeks ago that I couldn't believe. I'd never heard this one. Like, boy, this is a new twist. (laughs) And um, who would have thought, you know, this company that had these trademarks for years didn't maintain them. One of the things you have to do is renew them. And they let theirs lapse and kind of forgot about it. And the next thing they just found out is somebody from Russia through Mexico went onto their website, got photos of their products that they actually sell and went to the trademark office and reapplied to register this company's trademarks and they got them. Oh my, that is, that's a tough one. Yeah. Right. But that yeah. kind of stuff goes on, you know, yeah. and it's, uh, so yeah. it's, it's like having insurance at some level. Totally. You know? Yeah. It's totally yeah. like that. It's like insuring your, ideas and your trademark and your business image and brand, right? So let's go back to the process. You talked about, you have to search first and I interrupted you and you said sometimes oh, as long no, as- No, 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 that's okay. Well, I here, I'll, I have this thing, I might've shared this with you when we were talking earlier, but I kind of narrowed it down to three things. I call it the three things you have to do before you file. Okay. It's not the filing and that's not what you pay a good trademark lawyer for, by the way. You don't pay them just to file. A good trademark lawyer is- going to counsel you about what you do before you file. And I okay. think there's three, three things. Okay. The first is, I call it the art of the trademarkable brand. Three steps. A stands for, is it available? And that's what we talked about. Mm-hmm. That is, is it not already registered or in use by somebody else? Mm-hmm. We've also talked about the second one. Is it registrable, i.e. not descriptive and gener- or generic? Mm-hmm. You're going to get rejected if it's descriptive. So you need to know that going up front. And the third is, which sounds minor, but it really can be sometimes one of the most challenging things I deal with with clients is trademark use. It's you don't know how to use it as a trademark. Uh, There's specific rules, like about 100 pages of regulations that specify how, you know how government regulations are, right? There's a lot of them in every field. And it, they're technical rules. They're not hard. They're just very specific. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> if you don't, you can't. If you don't submit samples that meet the regulations, then you're going to get you're going to get rejected. Right. And sometimes you can fix them. Sometimes you can't. So uh, I really work with clients to say, do these three things first. And if it turns out it's not available, or you find out it's descriptive. Find that out before you spend the more money to file it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a really, those are, that's a really good nugget of advice. The art, you said, what you call it the art of? Art of the trademarkable brand. Of the trademarkable brand. And And by the way, there's a real reason for that. 
Because okay. the statistics are 70% of all applications receive a first refusal. Ah. So yeah. if you want to minimize your risk for being rejected, you have to those, test it. Those are the three reasons most yeah. of them are rejected. Yeah. Those are the three uh, prong tests. That's a three prong test to, to understand if it could be trademarkable or not. Right. right? Yeah. 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 That's really, that's a really good rule of thumb. It makes it clear uh, for somebody who doesn't really do this all day that is thinking about trademarking. Do you think you need an attorney to get your trademark done? Do you need to hire an attorney for this? I, I know I may, it sounds like it's self-serving. Uh, yeah. Even if you don't hire me, I, I think so. Yeah. Some people are able to do it, but you know, um, it's, I had a, a, a person who I counseled with a week or so ago, a brilliant, lovely young woman, very, and she had done so much homework. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen anybody who had researched more, and she had sent me all these printouts and all this stuff she found at the trademark office. There was only one problem. Both of her trademarks were totally descriptive. Oh. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to get those. Yeah. So, you know... I I hate when I have to tell somebody that, but I'd rather be honest with them than take their money, which yes. quite frankly, a lot of the filing services would do, you know, they give you a cheap price, but it's not, they're not giving you advice. They're just, they're skipping those three steps. That's, yes. that's what you're paying an attorney for is yes. those three steps. If you think you can navigate those three steps on your own, then go for it. Yeah. And some people can do it. Yeah, no, I, that, I th- think that's really interesting. It's it's a good it's a good thought to have if you are on a budget. Here's another question: Back in the day when I was uh, in college, there used to be this idea of a um, a poor man's patent. I don't know if you that you've heard a poor man's patent, where oh. if, you, if you're inventing an idea, you put it, you write it in an envelope, and you mail it, and then you keep the sealed <laughs> envelope. Is that a thing that is the biggest myth I've ever heard, and I would love to know who started that because I've heard it in the music business for years. Where we're like, I, I proved I wrote the lyrics, so I put the lyrics in an envelope and mailed them to myself, right? Yeah. Um, that's where it comes up a lot. That doesn't work in trademarks at all. <laughs> Does it work uh, copywriting or patent? No, or? no, because. There's a lot of other issues. And by the way, a copyright is so inexpensive. A copyright, you can fill out a form. You're, now, you definitely don't need a lawyer for a copyright. Yeah. I just want to make that clear. Okay. Yeah. A trademark's a lot more technical for the yeah. reasons we just discussed. A copyright is put a notice on it. And this I should we should talk about because it's really important. It costs, um, it's like, I think it's up to 50 or $60. Okay. You fill out the form. And in most cases, unless you have a big volume of work where you have to send in a thumb drive, you can actually upload the copy right onto the platform. Mm-hmm. And it's super easy. It's, you know, not it's not complicated to do it. And why is registration of a copyright so important? And this is I can't emphasize this enough. We have a law that our copyright law is written to say you have a copyright from the moment of creation. So if you sat down and wrote a poem on a napkin, you have a copyright protection for that. But Mm -hmm. here's the problem. If you don't register it, 
you have no remedies. Uh, the the remedies that are that which are what they call statutory damages and attorney's fees are all predicated on the fact that you have a registered trade uh, copyright. You've mm-hmm. registered it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're limited to proving actual damages and profits. Let me tell you for sure, having been in federal court, I hope to never see another case like that. Yeah. You can spend millions, and I'm not exaggerating, just trying to prove damages. So in other words, I, here's a great example, because you've see, heard cases like this. Oh, they use my music in a commercial on TV. Yeah. Okay. If that music is not registered as a copyright before the infringement and you get they sue, They have to prove what percentage of profits were attributable to use of the song. That's almost impossible. Think about that. Because they're selling, let's say they're selling shampoo. I don't care what it is, right? In the ad. How do you know that the music, how much the music contributed to the sale of the shampoo? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's it yeah it, you can't I mean I don't know how you can quantify that unless you have people saying oh we we love the jingle or something like that right well and but it's the same are. thing it's even a more basic if somebody uses an, a photograph yeah on a blog you know yeah. let's just do that you know I mean yeah. it doesn't have to be that fancy that's yeah. the limit that's the problem without whereas if you have the registration if nothing else it allows you to extract a license fee. Do you know what I mean? Because I hate to be honest, but I'll tell you, the people who are infringe, if they know you don't have a registration, will just say, too bad, sue me, because they know you're not going to be able to do it. No lawyer is going to take the case. Yeah. <laughs> well, I this I feel like the topic of trademark copyrights, patents is such a uh, a wide topic, and we can talk about it on multiple shows and really d- dig deep, but I, um, we're going to have to wrap up soon. Maybe you can come back on the show. We can get even deeper. But one question I want to ask you last, and then I'm going to do the waste up wardrobe uh, wrap up, which is sort of a summary of the key things. But we'd, I would want to ask you, um, being in the branding industry, being in the trademark and all this kind of thing, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what companies do you see out there that you feel like have like a great brand? a knockout brand, one that's on point, one that feels like a, like your fit. I would say like, what is your fate? What are your favorite brand or brands um, that speak to you as a, as a consumer yourself? Uh, well, it ebbs and flows, but mostly uh, flows is Apple. I mean, I was enamored with Apple uh, because they have a, occupy a really unique position in our uh, society globally. Um, And they went from almost going out of business to Steve Jobs coming back and reinventing it. And uh, the other unique thing about Apple is they are about the only, other than the Apple itself, the word Apple, it's about the only brand I can think of that can come up with really bad names and make them distinctive and enforceable overnight. Because everything I talked about with about descriptive domains, if you think about it, iPod, AirPods, uh, iMac. Well, maybe not iMac, but iPad for sure is a descriptive domain, a descriptive name. Uh But 
because, and they're a perfect example for that reason too, because in order to overcome that problem, you can enforce it if you can prove acquired distinctiveness. And that is a very high burden because it's based on how much marketing and advertising money you spend. So Apple has so many people around the world, the minute they release a product, it doesn't matter. Everybody knows it immediately, right? They build Apple though, even the word Apple, right? Well, but that's another interesting story, which I've been following for like 15 years or so, because they actually entered into something called, and I do these as a trademark lawyer, we do these, this comes up quite often, surprisingly often, it's called a coexistence agreement, where uh, the trademark office might reject you, but it turns out there's really not a conflict between the products or services, and oh God, 35 years ago or so, Apple entered into an agreement with the Beatles, because the Beatles owned Apple Records. That's who owned Apple. Interesting. And they, um, the, in that consent agreement, basically what's done in a consent agreement or coexistence, it says we'll coexist, we won't step on each other's toes, and we will do whatever it takes to avoid confusion. And in that case, it was specifically we won't sell music. Because at the time, all the Apple sold was computers. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward 20 years later. Hello. We lied. Yeah. <laughs> How did we get around that? Uh, another lawsuit that was huge in London over breach of that agreement. And it went on for several years. But really what it came down to is Apple wanted the Beatles music on Apple iTunes. Ah, And... So I have no idea how much they paid to get it, but I'm sure it was a lot of money. <laughs> I'm sure it was worth it, though, because we know yeah. what it is. So, yeah. So, well, yeah, that's, I admire them. And, and there's others, but that's yeah. the one I think about a lot. Yeah, no, I think uh, that that is a great example of um, it just uh, a global company that has really done it so well and has attracted really the, the whole world's population. I mean, there's nobody that doesn't know Apple. Um, so at the end of the show, I like to do a little summary of the key elements that we talked about. So, uh, and that's the waste up war, uh, wardrobe wrap up. So the first thing I'd love for you to just highlight is um, what is the one major takeaway here when it comes to trademark patents or copyrights, whatever area we should probably just highlight trademarks since it's something that we work with more often. And I mean, that's not true, but you know, we've been talking about that a lot, but um, what's the one takeaway you want the audience to understand about trademarks? Well, legitimize your brand. And if you're going to choose, uh, try, try to protect a trademark, uh, look for a trademark that is distinctive, helps people mem- be, help you be memorable and stand out in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. I mean, the, all the brands that really stand out have those um, features. You also talked about some tools and tips, including your um, art of the trademarkable brand. And that would be to um, the three prong test, which I would, I'm going to, I'm going to really highlight that as a tool that you're leaving us with. What would that um can you repeat them one more time, the three pieces? Sure. It's, it's A-R-T. I just created that acronym. I arranged it so I could have a mnemonic memory, which is, is it available? Not already owned by somebody else. Yeah. Is it registrable, i.e. not descriptive and generic? And then you got to create T, trademark use. Exactly. Well, that is a great 
rule of thumb to think about as um, you build your brand. And finally, an action item. Let's say you have a business owner, but whether they're a startup or you know they've been in business and they've got a great trademarkable brand, um, but they just don't know where to start. What would be one easy action item for them to get started in the process of, of, of marking? Well, um, hmm. yeah, research your market, see what else is out there. Yeah. And uh, if you want to try to do it yourself, uh, I was going to share with your audience uh, an opportunity to have a free PDF copy of my book which is all about trademarks. It's not how to do the filing, but it helped go through some, I think some great basic information, how to select the types of trademarks, how to select one that is distinctive that you can register. And then the pro it describes the process and, you know, and it gives you some examples of some things to get you thinking, you know, so awesome. uh, yeah. Well, we always have a, a hashtag, and for this episode, it's hashtag IP and shine. Um, so whoever puts in the hashtag IP and shine while um, during like a replay, then they, we can identify them to get your downloadable book. I would love, thank you for offering that. That would be awesome. So um, the downloadable book that Cheryl has that she's offering so generously, uh, we'll give them sort of the step-by-step or the process, right, of how to, to deal with trademarking um, their ideas. And um, we can get that, the audience can get that if they, they can, we can identify them by them putting the hashtag IP and shine in the comments. Now, this episode lives on Facebook, people replay it. And so um, it's a, it's a great place to go back to see, you know, who, who answer questions and see who really wants to um, take advantage of this. So thank you so much for being so much fun to to be on your show i love it despite the technical difficulties yeah well (laughs) see that's that's just how we roll in business right you have to it was a pleasure having you i really feel like you've got a wealth of knowledge to share so i hope that um maybe we can bring you back on the show and kind of dig even deeper yeah, I think I'd be great because there are a couple of things I would enjoy sharing about how people can protect some stuff on their own. There are things they can do on their own that are oh, similar. That, that cool. is uh, actually a really good information. Maybe we do another show and we just kind of talk about yeah, that. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that don't require a lawyer that yeah. you can do, you know, to protect yeah. yourself. And I think people don't know, right? They don't know that they might not need a lawyer for certain things or and they might not even know if they need a lawyer for something. So th- those that's a really great topic. But thank you so much for being here. Well, I thank you for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. And I love what you do and I love your show. It's great. Thank you, Cheryl. You're, you're a diehard supporter of uh, Jade House's style and Waste Supportive. So I appreciate that very much. And uh, Waste Supportive Nation, there you have it. Um, the topic of the do's and don'ts when it comes to trademarking your ideas and your business. We really went deep into this conversation, but we could go even deeper. So perhaps we bring Cheryl back one day. But in the meantime, you know that every Thursday at 1130 Live, we are here on Facebook, bring you a brand new show so that we can enhance your entrepreneurial experience and give you as much information as possible, bring you the best experts out there when it comes to building that amazing, um, dominating business in the industry. So 
Join us next Thursday at 1130, same time, Pacific time, and bring a friend. 